Hi, everyone. I'm Myra Thomas, editor of Bank Automation News, and welcome to The Buzz, where we explore how automation technology is transforming the banking industry. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry, ending this week, June 25th, 2021. And before I begin, I'd like to give a big thanks to band sponsors and advertisers, MX and Zeta Technologies. Thanks so much for your support. I'm pleased today to be joined by Lorraine Lawson, Associate Editor, and Jess Free-Kalra, Associate Editor here at Bank Automation News. Here are the biggest news items from our editorial team this week. And before I mention that, I forgot to mention uh, some of the big news happening around. Uh, key inflation measure, measure, the index tracking personal consumption hit its highest level since 1992, as May prices once again rose. Uh, prices previously, we could point to the pandemic, material shortages, as well as supply chain issues have contributed to price increases over the past few months. Looking ahead, Amazon is ready to face one of its biggest union fights ever. And in the tech world, Microsoft hits a landmark $2 trillion market cap. So let's look back quickly at some stories that we went over this week. Goldman Sachs yeah. is rolling out a transaction banking uh, operations in the UK. And we spoke with uh, one of their executives on the engineering side who revealed to us that the next step is rollout to locations in Europe by the beginning of 2022. Also, uh, banking process automation FinTech Blend Labs, recent IPO and uh, exponential growth uh, was profiled in a story by Lorraine Lawson. Maybe you can give us some key findings uh, from looking at that story. Um, what's accounting for the exponential growth at uh, Blend Labs, Lorraine? Yeah, Blend had 90% year-over-year revenue growth uh, in 2020 from 2019. I think there are a couple of things. One, we see, well, first of all, we see the thirst that uh, banks have for automation. Um, it specifically cited how it had automated and how much banks had saved using their tools. Of course, that's part of their marketing, but uh, it was interesting to see the data on that. At U.S. Bank, for instance, it cut the mortgage loan cycle by 10 days on average and reduced home equity loan cycles from 40 days to 21 days. At BMO Harris Bank, they saved over 100,000 hours of processing time for home equity Ooh. applications in a year. And they decreased their digital home equity applications by 253% year over year from 2018 to 2018. I think, you know, in the past year, definitely what we've heard from sources, and I'm sure Despreet will agree with this, is that COVID had a huge role in banks wanting to digitalize. People weren't in the office. They didn't want to handle papers. Uh, so COVID definitely uh, was probably good business for Blend. I just wonder what's going to happen once we get past this, you know, whole pandemic. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot from fintech leaders who have benefited uh, from the pandemic. I know that we've seen a wave of a variety of different businesses who've been able to tap into uh, the small business and mid-sized business market because of the need to digitize. I'm just wondering, you know, Blend and, you know, other firms, how they're going to plot, you know, in the future for, you know, less than exponential growth. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> Any thoughts, guys? So I well, I don't think the automation... Yeah, go ahead, Lauren. I don't think the automation trend is going to end anytime soon. When you see banks having savings, the, 
literally half the, the time to, to close a loan, um, they're not going to walk away from that anytime soon. And Belinda's only expanding its offerings. So um, I think they'll continue to see significant growth. And we're sort of in a fintech boom right now. So that's part of it. Um, what did you have to say? Just read. So I, I was just saying that my point was very similar to what Lorraine just said in the sense that these processes are really here to stay. And one of the things I keep hearing from sources is that the pandemic really exposed human beings as part of being the friction in some of these processes. And when you make that sort of efficiency gain, it's hard to give that up. But at the same time, one of the risk factors that Blend itself mentioned in their prospectus is that this sort of explosive growth may not be repeatable, but that doesn't necessarily mean they won't grow. Sure, sure. Maybe you can talk a little bit, Jespreet, about the interesting podcast. You had an interesting interview uh, with an individual from Virginia Tech who was talking about fairness and AI in credit underwriting. Um, the whole social theory behind it and, you know, she, she wasn't quite clear to me about how this might be implemented, but talk a little bit about what she was saying. Right. So I spoke with Professor Janine Hiller, who teaches at the Pamplin College at Virginia Tech, and her research areas are like the intersection of business law and technology. And our conversation was largely focused on how there is a difference between how laws define fairness and how mathematics, which is sort of the back end of all those AI models, really is trying to define fairness. Like in her words, there's 24 different definitions of fairness within mathematics, so there's no clear cut picture of what it might be. And that sort of extends to this overall trend we've been seeing where companies are interested in using AI for credit underwriting, but at the same time, there are concerns of bias that also rise up. And one example that she gave me of this proposed socio-technical approach of building regulation around AI is that if there's two towns that are trying to build a bridge across a river, oftentimes one town will say, put it in place X and one down the other down will say don't put it in place X. So what you have to really do is instead of building it as a straight line, you have to curve it at some point. So it's like accommodating both the societal expectations and the technical efficiency simultaneously instead of doing the technical parts first and then saying, hey, does it align with the social expectations as well? So there needs to be an overall growing conversation about how one thinks about fairness in AI and how one thinks about fairness in AI underwriting. And that was her overall takeaway from our conversation. So, you know, as far as the regulators, they always seem to, you know, come after the technology and not necessarily before it, even though there's been quite a, uh, you know, a lot of talk about regulating, regulating AI and fairness and underwriting. But what sense do you get that the regulators are going to be ahead of the game? Um, so the point that she raised here was that, a, the structures are sort of outdated in terms of looking at how we're understanding fairness and how to understand fairness, especially given credit. But the other sort of spectrum of it is that the pharmaceutical industry also has this entire business model built around new technology and protecting their IP. But at the same time, their products have to be checked for safety. So there are methods that for, uh, through which regulators can check that, okay, this model is validated for fairness and does not exactly replicate biases of the past. But at the same time, I think this is going to be a push and pull conversation for quite a bit instead of just being the regulator saying do this and the firms just aligning to that. Sure. 
Well, we'll cut it there. I just want to thank you so much and everyone so much, our associate editors here, for joining us for the weekly wrap on The Buzz. Let's take a second to give a look ahead for stories we're working on for this coming week. Our Inside Look column will feature a deep dive into the automation efforts of Utah headquartered Tab Bank. The digital bank started out with rather humble beginnings, offering uh, services, pro uh, financial products to truckers operating a truck stop kiosks to moving towards being a fully digital bank. Uh, Lorraine, can you update our listeners on your intelligent document processing story? Yes, uh, we're looking at the market and how it's evolving and what vendors are doing to make it easier for banks and financial institutions to implement IDP. Jess I know you're also working on a DeFi Explainer, uh, which will take a deep dive into it. Maybe you can give us a heads up. So yeah, I'm starting to look into the world of decentralized finance, which long story short is pitching itself as an alternative to the traditional financial system, which would basically mean that instead of getting a loan by working into a bank, you would just get a loan by talking to a automated protocol online. Thanks everyone uh, for joining us for the buzz. For more podcast content, check out bankautomationnews.com and search for the buzz. Uh, from Bank Automation News on iTunes and Spotify.